seated. I, I just want to maybe exhort just momentarily here. Uh, as we were singing the song, you know, the, 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 the fire fall and wind come blow and we're ready for more and uh, just the whole direction of that song was really, uh, you know, birthed out of the book of Acts where the uh, fire fell and the, the wind blew and God did an amazing thing in the, in the outpouring of his spirit at that time. And uh, I just, as we were singing that, I thought, I, I hope we're all catching the connection with the song and what we should be uh, really singing as a proclamation out of our heart so that we can release it not only in us, but in the, in the very atmosphere of where we're at here today. Making his sanctuary holy is by us entering in and just being a part of that. And then uh, Lauren had the word, uh, you know, just about exchanging heaviness, anything that might be heavy on you that would keep you from, might I say, you know, bubbling over with some joy. How many believe that a believer should have joy? In that, even Paul in prison said, hey, I, I, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm thinking, when will I as a believer begin to not settle for where I'm at and begin to step into that very scripture that Paul exhorts us to? He says, I want you to rejoice. How many know rejoicing is a little bit uh, active? Right? It's not just, uh, it's not just, uh, I'm just going to rejoice here for a moment, you know. I'm gonna, I'm, no, it's, it's something. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be excited about what the, the, the Holy Spirit's doing, not only in my life, but on the earth. He's, he's fulfilling a great plan. But yet, sometimes we can sing that or we can read those verses and we can still allow ourselves to stay in this place of... Uh, I don't want to call it slumber, you know, that might be too strong, but it's just kind of a laid backness. It's like, you know, oh man, life is just a challenge and, you know, things are a challenge and, you know, and, and you settle for not feeling the, the bubbling over of joy. And you know that, you know that joy, uh, it becomes your strength. The Bible says that. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the joy of surroundings, but the joy of the Lord. What's happening inside of us becomes a strength to us. And then the Bible also says about being happy and excited and, and merry is that a merry heart does good like what? What does it do good like? It does good like a medicine. Do you believe that? It, it, when I believe that, then all of a sudden I begin to catch myself when that's missing. And I'm not going to allow... Uh, the other side of that coin to stay in my life, but I'm just going to begin to say, wait a minute, God, I, I, I do feel heavy. I, I do feel weighed down. I, I do feel blah. I do feel these things. And, and, and sometimes we say, you know, we get, people get, you know, concerned that you talk about feeling God and feeling good when in fact, you, you know, when you feel bad, don't you? And you settle for that, but yet when the scriptures teach us to rejoice in him and exchange this heaviness for what he has to offer, sometimes we don't do that. And, and, and we wonder why by the end of that day, 
we feel even worse than when we started that day. When God had this plan for us to make an exchange. And there's so many scriptures inside that make that so clear to us, you know. And, and, and then uh, when we were singing and, and Jonathan challenged us to uh, just to, to ask the Holy Spirit to take you deeper. And I guess my question might be this, okay, because we do believe that, you know, the worship team, they really seek the Lord and they put everything into this so that it can be more than just singing a few songs, but it's actually having prepared themselves to come here this morning and bring something here that will launch you into worship, knowing that you've probably had a difficult week all week. And, and you didn't have that opportunity maybe to do that, but God has gifted them and called them and motivated them to come here and give a launching pad for what he wanted to do. And when they exhorted you, it was a really, a, if I could just say it this way, it, it was a prophetic exhortation. It was the word of the Lord coming to and through him to stir our hearts up. And I wonder when he said that, how many here might have said, could, could honestly say, you know, that's right. I shook myself and realized oh, I'm not there. I want to go deeper. Actually, we could have all said that, right? Every one of us wants to go deeper. But did we step into that with that opportune moment? Because I think God just waits. <clears throat> Excuse me. He waits sometimes on us. He's never late. He's always here. He's never short of a response, a reply, an answer, a, 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 a power surge. He's never short of that. And he's looking to us as we come together. And so we were exhorted to go deeper. And, and, and then we were, uh, he also went along with it and just said, you know, ask him to feel it. You want to feel him. And, and again, somehow on the journey, through the course of our, you know, clergy getting too educated, we decided that maybe we shouldn't say we want to feel God because that's kind of different. What do you mean, feel God? I remember a pastor saying that years ago. They had this song, which was a little bit of a challenge anyway, but it was, I feel them in my hands, I feel them in my feet, I feel them all over me. And, and, and you know, I, I remember a pastor getting up once after that, right after that song, actually, and just saying, what do you mean, feel them? You don't feel God. And I thought, my goodness, you don't know God then. Ask the people of the Old Testament if they felt God. And, and they're gonna tell you, absolutely, we did. And we didn't feel them as well as you could because we didn't have what you have today. And the Bible says the prophets said they looked down to our day because prophetically they knew there was going to be this kind of an outpouring and this kind of an openness that was going to be available to God's people. They saw that. Read it in Peter. They saw that. And they just, man, I wish we lived in that day. And I wonder if they're not sitting in the cloud of heaven today, you know, that great cloud of witnesses. And they're looking over and they're thinking, what are they doing? They've been given this amazing power that we only saw sprinkled out at different times on different people to produce amazing things. And they sit there with that dunamis inside of them and they don't even recognize it. They don't even open up for that. And I just think it's time, church. You know, we love good sermons. We love 
uh, good songs and worship. We love uh, good testimonies. We love a lot of stuff. But what we should love more than anything else and what they loved in the Old Testament was that they loved and they valued the presence of God. Without Him, we have nothing. You can preach the best sermon you want, but if He's not there, it's worthless. Come on, amen? I mean, it really is. Let's just be transparent about what God wants to do, how he wants to do it. I think we, there's so much at our hands. And then Colleen has an amazing verse, you know, that just goes right with the flow of where we're going, you know. And, and it's just, God has so much for us to step into that, that, that I think it was Paul that said, you know, eye has not seen and ear hasn't even heard even the little bit of what God can and wants to do in the heart of his people. And I'm just telling you, we are the fortunate ones that live in that day where we can see one of the greatest revivals that has ever taken place because of what's in us that he wants to let out of us. Remember, I've said this over the last few weeks, we are the revival that we're waiting for. We have to step up to that and really begin to allow the Holy Spirit to get a hold of us. I want the Holy Spirit to get a hold of every person in this church, everybody watching online. I want you to capture even what the message is about today. Uh, you know, we've been just talking about unexpected adventures, and, and I hope today is the beginning of an unexpected adventure for you, because when we find out even in more depth about the person of the Holy Spirit today, it's going to do something inside of you that if you let it, if you let it, if you let it, it will totally mess you up. How many of you ever messed up by God? I was messed up by God when I got saved. He just totally turned me around, got me on the right. It was a good mess up. And I tell you what, he wants to do that to us over and over. Amen? All right, you have notes. Thank you, worship team. You're so awesome. I want you to come back up at the end. You were so good. I want you to do it a second time. You have some notes there. There's not a lot of room to write, but what I really wanted to do today because I am going to go through this, uh, is to at least let you have the scriptures and maybe you can underline some scriptures. If you don't have notes, raise your hand. They're coming your way. If you don't have notes, raise your hand. Um, last week, we talked about uh, uh, the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was work, working both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And how that he was involved even from the very beginning of creation, where it says that God came, comes on the scene, the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit began to hover over it. And then the word was spoken, and out of that word came the formation of the, uh, of the, of the earth, to a livable point, into a livable place. And uh, so we saw the moving of the Spirit, and, and I had challenged us that in, in the Old Testament, the person of the Holy Spirit was very selective, very temporary, and also very task-oriented. 
And so he came at different times upon different people for different purposes, but it wasn't ever a permanent residence because it couldn't happen because Christ hadn't come yet to clean the temple out so that the Holy Spirit could be resident in that permanently. And we know that that's what he did do. And then I said to you, as you read in particular in the, in the Old Testament, that uh, the, the phrase, the Spirit came upon them. And I, I think it does us good to get those phrases locked into our minds so that as I read the scripture, when I see that phrase, I should stop and say, okay, what happened when the Spirit came upon them? Because they actually did some amazing things. Uh, they actually did some amazing things, you know. Moses parted the Red Sea. God used him to part the Red Sea, you know. And uh, Gideon wiped out an entire army with only 300 people, and he didn't even have to use them. And, and so we go on, and the Spirit of the Lord come upon these people, and amazing things happen. And, and again, how do we continue, and how long will we continue to read those stories and read the Bible and then walk away and do nothing with it? And not let us maybe let it begin to lead us or guide us or challenge our heart up to what the real presence of God and the real power of God can actually do in us and then through us. And, and, and so often we can do that. How many can say amen to that? When well, we just do that, we can just, we do it. We've all done it some, and we, we're, we're gradually changing and we're growing and we're getting away from that. But if I just stick with that pattern, I, I'm going to have what I've always had. I'm going to be minimized in what God's going to ever do in me and through me if I keep reading those stories like that versus really saying, wow, the Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, um, Elijah. And he did some amazing things. <laughs> he, he healed people. He, did, he called the rain to stop and to start and to stop. And I mean, it's like, wow, okay, God. And, 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 and we really take this thing serious about what God can really do. Can God do a miracle again today? Yes. I mean, we really have to ask ourselves that because we could sit in church the rest of our life and only take up space in a pew. We talked about last week the, the prophetic word that came uh, probably um, almost a thousand years before the actual event took place. Joel prophesied in around 835 uh, B.C., before the cross, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, uh, the first part of it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Okay, so there's that term, all flesh. Uh, and maybe on your notes, just underline that part right there. He's going to pour it out on all flesh. But when is it going to happen? He said afterward. Afterward, It didn't happen yet, but afterward. Afterward what? After Christ came to die on the cross for our sin so that it could actually happen. And then we read the fulfillment of that and the kickoff of that in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. It says, but what Peter's preaching, but what this is, is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Okay, that's pretty unclear, right? What is he talking about? He's pretty unclear. Come on, get clear, Peter. No, he's just very clear. He says, this is what Joel prophesied. It shall come to pass in the last days afterward, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on what? How many believe that? 
How many believe that? Would you raise your hand if you believe that scripture right there that it says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh? Okay. And if your hand doesn't come up, then maybe you're challenged with really, you know, either understanding that or really just saying, well, that's pretty clear that it's all flesh. And my second question is, is are you all flesh? Yes. You'd be included in that. Okay, so now I have something, if I don't understand it, now I have something to contend with God about. I can come to God now and say, hey, you said, I, I guarantee anytime that you get serious about that and you go before God and you take his own word to him, I guarantee you will begin to get a response that will surprise you. And all you'll have to do is begin to listen to it and you'll begin to see it. But that's what he says. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Well, if his spirit is powerful, which it is, and everywhere in the Old Testament that it showed up, it was very powerful, it was beyond the natural, then how is it impacting me or is it? And if it isn't, that's when I really got to step back again. I got to get back in prayer. Now I have something to pray about. Oh God, I don't get it. Oh God, I don't understand. Oh God, you said it, but I'm not experiencing it. God, you said it, but it's not happening. You know, you know what I'm saying? We don't do that. We just settle. Well, I guess it's just an ancient book that was written for way back then. Can I just tell you that's not the case? This is a today book, and it's for us today. And if we will go before God with an honest heart, and we challenge him, and I've found it throughout my entire journey, when there's something I don't get or I'm not experiencing, and I go press into God, he always comes forth with the answer. How many can say that they've experienced that? Anybody? Can I hear an amen? amen. Okay, it's true, isn't it? I mean, really, when you press in, sometimes you press in and you're not so serious and nothing happens. And, and, and so then we just either give up or we really press in. And it's really getting serious. Or maybe something happens that's so big we have to get serious. But man, when we do, God's always faithful. I've never seen him not be faithful when it comes to me pressing in to him. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and that verse is on your notes there, says this. It says, but you shall receive what? Can you see, let's just say some of this stuff together. But you shall receive what? When the Holy Spirit does what? Comes upon you. Now, see, I read that, and I, I don't want to be over-elementary here, but I think we kind of need to be because we're letting some of this stuff just go right past us, and we're not really grabbing a hold of it to be able to really say, God, I need that. Now, look at what the word receive means there. I put the definition, I think, on your notes. It means to take it. It means to claim it, to procure it, to seize it, to lay a hold of it. <laughs> In other words, when he said receive it, he didn't mean just sit back and, okay, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. I just don't know that I've found that to be true. God says, if I hunger and thirst after righteousness, I will be filled. And I've got to press in. And this is what he's saying. But you shall take a hold of it, claim it, uh, seize it, lay hold of it. What? The power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, the next, the next verse there. And they were how many? Filled with who? Okay, I'll start over. And they were 
filled with who? The Holy, the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak with other tongues according to the, as the Spirit was giving them to declare. Now one thing that I will do here is I will exchange sometimes the word tongues for uh, a prayer language or just a spiritual language because the word is glossa. And that word glossa can, could easily be translated a spiritual language. And, and that's exactly what he gives us. That's what he offers us. But let's back up just a second before we jump into that. In the first part of that verse, it says they were all filled. And the word filled is to be completely, to be permeated, to, to, to be saturated or drenched with the Holy Spirit. So it's not like you just spilt a little drop of water on your arm. It's like the, it's, it's like, it's like the Chiefs when they didn't win the Super Bowl. It's not like that. Okay? It's they take the whole thing and they pour it. And you just get drenched when you win that Super Bowl. And, I, and it's, this is what he's saying. This is what's going to happen. So I, and I'm saying this and I'm putting this out there because I want to expand your thinking. If maybe you've just experienced a little bit of the Holy Spirit, there's so much more for you. And this is what I think the scripture is trying to bring us to and lead us to and, and, and take us to. Acts chapter 10, verses 45 and 46. And those of the circumcision, those that were uh, saved, basically, who believed were astonished as many of them that came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with other languages or with tongues and magnifying God. And so here they're going out now after the outpouring of the Spirit initially, they're going out around the, the region and they're preaching the gospel and they're sharing the good news of what happened because of Christ's resurrection now, the Spirit's being poured out like Joel talked about. And they asked them and the evidence of the, of the Gentiles having received it was they also received a spiritual prayer language also. And so, and so we see this taking place, and we go through some more of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19 and verse 6. It says, And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Came on them. And they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. And these signs shall follow those that believe. In my name they will cast out uh, devils, and they will speak with new languages. So I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a point here today uh, of maybe beginning to grasp and to understand that, that we're living in that afterward time that Joel was talking about where the Spirit of God wants to be poured out on all flesh. And we're going to see hopefully by the end of this is, okay, how do I do something with it? And am I doing something with it? Or have I let it just go dormant because I've heard odd things about it, or I've seen odd things about it, or I've been taught differently. And, and, and hopefully by the end of today, you will have more to go back and get into a conversation with God, because I know one thing about God, and that is, is when you talk to him with sincerity, especially out of his word, his spirit brings revelation to you in a way that you wouldn't normally get it. Remember, Paul talked about that. Quit trying to understand this with your natural mind. You're wasting your time. You've done too much study with your natural mind. It's not helping. But if you'll enter your spiritual mind into it, then all of a sudden you'll begin to understand. You'll have the aha moments of, wow, 
That's amazing, God. Now I get it. You know, that's how God does it, isn't it? He just kind of opens your understanding in a way that you will not have without the help of the Spirit. And we'll see that in just a moment. So why did God send his Holy Spirit? Well, number one, I would say maybe to start with, it would be to glorify Christ. He wanted to glorify Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus said when he lived on earth, isn't it? He said, you know, I'm just here to glorify the Father. I want you to know that I'm pointing it all to him. It's not about me. It's all about him. I'm here. Uh, of course, we know his calling was to sacrifice his life so we could enter into this place. But he repeated it over and over. I only do what the Father says. I only am wanting to glorify him. And it's very interesting that he, that he, that he speaks that way so often. But that's the goal. that was part of the goal now even of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. It's also to lead believers into all truth. And we'll read a verse or two on that. It's also to empower and to strengthen your relationship with the Father. See, I'm going to be minimal when it comes to my relationship with the Father without the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm only going to be able to go so far with this because, again, my natural mind won't even understand the things of the spirit and so as we as we lean in this morning about this let's see what the holy spirit really does who's he really like how do i connect with him in a greater way john chapter 14 and verse 26 says this here about the holy spirit the counselor the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So in other words, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and he's gonna teach me and he's gonna counsel me and he's gonna show me things in the word and remind me of things that I have put, hopefully read out of the word and that he's spoken to me about in my life. It's, 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 uh, it's Jesus coming to the end of his life now here and he's communicating to the believers what's about to happen. And if you remember, they were even kind of shook up about it. No, 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 no. This isn't, you couldn't be, you couldn't be saying you're going to go be crucified. You're supposed to be the king. You're supposed to be great. Well, they were seeing it with their natural mind and not their spiritual mind. Look at John chapter 16, uh, verses 12 through 15. Uh, and, and I tell you, if anything should stir you to inquire more of the person of the Holy Spirit, it's this verse right here. This, this verse right here ignites something inside of me to say, God, I want to build a stronger relationship with the whole person of the Holy Spirit, which is a person of the Godhead. I want to build this relationship with you. Now look at this here. I still have many things to say to you. Isn't that awesome? Come on, this is, this is what he's saying to us. That should stir us up to say, wow, but I want to press in because you have stuff to say to me. But listen to what he goes on to say. But you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, and in your scripture, that, that word spirit is capitalized, it's paracleta, it's the one who comes alongside of you and, and stands in you and with you to help you to understand more of God and more of his word. And when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears. Jesus did the same thing with the Father. I only do what I hear and see. And he will speak and he will tell you things to come. 
He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. What's he saying there? What does that say to you this morning? When, the, when Jesus is saying, he's going to take everything that I have, everything of me, and I'm, he's going to give it to you. I'm thinking, wow, how many know Jesus had quite a bit? Jesus did quite a bit. Why? Because he had all these things. He understood what God was all about. He understood who the Father was. And, is it, and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing, God. You're really saying this to me. So do you know what that means? That means that whatever Jesus did, except for go to the cross and die for your sins, whatever Jesus did, you can do also. Is this on, Ivan? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, I want you to expand your thinking right now. Whatever, that's what he said. Whatever's mine, I want him to give it to you. Yeah. He's directing, commanding the Holy Spirit. And he's saying those things, but we're not fighting for any of that, are we? We're not taking that. We're not receiving. We're not taking that and believing that and grabbing a hold of that and not, not stopping until it comes. And I tell, you, I tell you this because there's such a resistance of your flesh and the world against you that if you don't press in, you will spend the rest of your life without it. But it isn't by God's choice. But he said, man, if you hunger and thirst, you're going to be filled. You're going to get this thing and you're going to see this thing happen. And you know that's what the last day church is going to look like? I mean, he's been building a church that's going to just shock everybody. It's going to be the same shock that when Jesus came and rose from the dead. It's going to be the same kind of shock. But I tell you what. There will be a lot of religious people sitting around wondering about it. What just happened? <laughs> Maybe it's like, well, where'd you go? <laughs> to your partner. I mean, honestly, this is the thing. And, and we're taking these scriptures again and we're reading these. And somehow, okay, Patricia and I both went through four years of Bible college. Well, it took me five to go through four. But anyway, uh, <laughs> she does have her degree. I don't have mine, but I'm close. I'm only one credit off. Honestly. <laughs> but listen, <clears throat> after all of that, I can remember one day walking into uh, our house in Idaho. I was walking through the garage, and I had my big four-drawer file cabinet right outside the door of the garage, all packed with Bible college notes. But I realized that it was just really a, 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 an epiphany moment for me when I realized that I had all those notes, I had all this education, but somehow now I don't have the joy that I had when I started this relationship. And I thought, God, I just stopped and I just wept and I said, God, I'll trade all of that for what I had. And he, get me, he set me on a journey to get back into that place with him. Because it's not about knowledge. It's not about knowledge. Neither, it's just not. And, 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 and he's coming here today through his word. He says, I'm going to take what's mine, and I'm going to declare it to you. 
And instead of sitting around getting in these dumb theological arguments about stuff that most people have no clue about, we need to press into the Holy Spirit and ask God himself. You know what? He would rather have you do that. He'd rather have you ask him. He'd rather have you open your heart a little bit more and say, God, come on in and help me to understand this because he's after a relationship with you above everything else that you would know. But we keep fighting these stupid arguments. Look at what it's done to the church. Hasn't it just split it apart? Why do we have so many denominations? Why do we have that? Because we argue over little dumb points. And then those churches that decide that they want to argue over one dumb point over another end up being, and, and, and I've talked to Bob about this, in England there's some of the most beautiful churches in the world, but they're all kind of a bit empty and they're kind of dead. Why? How could that happen? We got stuck somewhere without the presence of God. We decided that this argument was more important than the presence of God. I just challenge everybody, just don't even go there. Don't even let yourself go there. Let's have the Spirit of God be our teacher. And he takes us down the right path, and it's an awesome journey. It's an amazing thing. And I put down in my notes here, the unexpected adventure that we're talking about and we'll be talking about for a few weeks is that, it, that you're on. It will require you being filled with the Holy Spirit daily. And I, and I put that required, you know, and I put it down and thought, ooh, people are not going to like that. Uh, you know, and so anyway, I made it bold on my notes so I can say it even stronger. It is going to be required that you learn to walk with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. How many realize the way things are going in the world around us? We're not going to change them with the natural man, but guess what? I believe we can change them with the spiritual person. If just the Spirit being upon a few people here and there, doing great things, did great things in the Old Testament, how much more if it's on everybody could this really happen? But again, we, unfortunately, we get stuck in these dumb arguments. Uh, and, and, and instead of saying, God, we want your power. You know, it says that they, they gained knowledge. They ever learned, or they, they, they gained a lot of knowledge, but they never really learned. I don't want to be that type of a person. I want to be the person that grows in this and literally allows the Holy Spirit uh, to, to move in me. So I put down just a few thoughts here, and I don't know that this is on your notes. But I thought, well, why, why would we not hear the Holy Spirit? Remember, we just read that he's going to talk to us. He's going to show us things. He's going to open things up to us. And I thought, well, why wouldn't we? And so I'll just throw some thoughts out, and you can just maybe grab a few of them if they, if they fit, and toss them if they don't. It could be that I just don't understand how God speaks to me. In other words, I don't get and understand that God speaks to me, and, and, and I just am not sure, is that his voice talking to me? I mean, how many, how many have been there? I think it was God. I'm not, I don't know if it was God or God says something to you and then a few days later, ah, maybe it wasn't, I don't, I said, you know, we go through this whole process of, I'm not sure that this is God. Can I just tell you, his voice is so clear that as soon as you tap into what I'm talking about, tap into the Holy Spirit and you see this, 
it'll just come alive. That's part of what our, our connect groups, our small groups are talking about amongst themselves. And they will talk about uh, when they get together again is how do we understand and hear the thoughts of God, the voice of God? What does God sound like? What does he sound like to you? How would you define how God sounds to you? I think it's a good question, but a lot of people get stumped with it. Well, I, I'm not sure. Well, it's, and, and it's, just so, it's just so many ways. And so maybe you just don't understand how God speaks to you. Maybe it could be that you're just not spending time in his word. I know that this really helped me to learn to hear his voice. The more I read it, the more I hear, oh, that's what God sounds like. Because you know why? It's a living book. and not just a dead scripture. If you're reading it and it's still dead, then you really need the Holy Spirit. Amen, Danny. Really good. We're going to go places when we get this. It could be that maybe the hustle and bustle of life that, that, that I'm having trouble discerning God's voice uh, from all the other noises. I'm just so busy. I've listened to so many things. Something's always on around me. There's got to be a radio. I wonder sometimes if that maybe isn't you know, really a deception, a trick of the enemy is just to make people think, well, I got to leave the TV on at home all day so I don't feel alone. I got to leave the radio on. I got to have something going on all the time. I have to have earbuds in all the, you know, all the time. That's what we're starting to see. And I'm just saying this morning that God's not going to be in competition over any of that. Sometimes you just need to get quiet so you can hear his still small voice. And, 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 and usually what you first hear is, a, a, is your own thoughts just flying all over the place. But then if you just press a little further, press a little further, go a little deeper, then all of a sudden you'll begin to discern, oh, that's what God sounds like. That's God trying to break through. But I think we've all done that. We just keep ourselves so filled with noises and so forth. And that's why I'm not going to hear God. Uh, maybe, maybe I just need to prioritize some time to communicate with him. Or maybe we experience, uh, we don't experience him because we pushed him away. You know, he's spoken to us about something and, 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 and we decided, no, I just don't, I don't, I don't know God. That might not be you. But yet it is him. And we just continue to just kind of push away, push away. And then, then it could be that maybe there's just, uh, you've been taught that, you know, you don't hear God today. You, you don't, God doesn't speak to you today. He wrote it down in the Bible. It's all here. Why are you asking for him to speak to you? Which is really ridiculous because the whole book talks about speaking to God. <laughs> Getting you to speak to God. Matter of fact, it says in the volume of this book, it's written about me. I just want you to know I'm in here. You'll find me here if you seek with me with all of your heart. And he opens this up to us and he just begins to lay out this pattern. But sometimes we, we've been theologically taught that, well, this is the Bible. Don't expect or trust in anything else. Don't trust that God can speak to you. You know, there's a, there's a whole lot of teaching out there like that. That's what it says, exactly. This is history over some uh, hogwash about the living book, the living Bible that can bring life to us if we read it in that way. 
And, and, and some would teach that in regards especially to the Holy Spirit that maybe it's just not for today. And so therefore you struggle to even consider receiving it or receiving a spiritual language or a prayer language because you've been taught wrong. You've been taught differently. And, and, uh, and, and yet God would come today and say, what am I saying to you about all of this? What's my word say to you about all of this? Let me read just a few verses if you want to jump down on your notes just a little bit here to Acts 2 and verse 38. 2 and verse 38. And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which we talked about last week. That's water baptism for remission of sin. And what? You shall receive what? Can you read that with me? You shall receive what? Okay, let's read that again a little bit stronger, please. You shall receive. That's a Bible verse. That means if I'm saved, when I get saved, I can also receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and look at Acts 3 and verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is related to the Holy Spirit himself. That's who the presence of the Lord is. And he says, hey, these times are going to come to you. You're going to have these times uh, as a born-again believer. Um, I put on your notes this part here uh, so that I could zoom through it and, uh, and, and, and get to the last part of this. But I think it was important for me anyway is, okay, did the Holy Spirit involve himself in the life of Jesus? Did Jesus depend on the Holy Spirit himself? Or did he do everything by himself? Well, the scripture clearly teaches that he didn't do it by himself, right? right. I mean, I just, you just can't read it without seeing. That's, oh, wow, wait a minute, I thought he was God. Jesus, was, well, he is, he was. Okay, he is. But what was he trying to do? He was trying to model for us how we're going to make it through and fulfill the will and purpose of God. So look at this here in Matthew chapter 13. 3 and verse 16. And when he had been baptized, Jesus immediately went up from the water. That's the wrong uh, scripture reference, but this is the right scripture. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So the Spirit came upon him and he was filled with the spirit in uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1 it says that then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness so the Holy Spirit led him around led his life Jesus also acknowledged the spirit that was upon him to anoint him Luke 4 18 the spirit of the Lord came upon me because he has anointed me it says that he cast out demons with the Holy Spirit. And so we're seeing over and over his, and even his resurrection was with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. So there was a repeated pattern of everything that Jesus did that was all reflected back to the Holy Spirit doing this in him. Now I'm saying this because I want you to 
see that in your life, you need to build and establish this relationship with the Holy Spirit as a person because you have the ability to be led by him, to, to be anointed by him. And, and all the things that he, Jesus did, he said you could do also. Matter of fact, Jesus, uh, Jesus said we would do all the things that he did. But I, I tell you, we're not doing those yet, are we? We just about do them like the Old Testament, you know, every now and then on a different few people. But he's, he's wanting this to happen for all of us. He's wanting us to step into that relationship with him so that we can all uh, be a part of what he's doing. Now, John chapter 16 and verse 7 says this here. But I tell you the truth, and this is Jesus now at the very end. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be clo in close fellowship with you. And so we, we just repeatedly, we see this pattern from, uh, from the word about how Jesus himself is telling us very clearly that when he leaves, he's going to send the Holy Spirit and he will be the primary, uh, 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 primary person of the Godhead of the Trinity, we would call it the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to be active in your and I life and in our day. And, and, and uh, to see us uh, uh, fulfill the whole will of God. And, and I think it's something, again, back to being stirred up. I think we're going to require this, and we're getting into days where we're seeing this more and more. We're going to see it. We're going to need a requirement of the Holy Spirit being in our life and through our life. John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, on your notes. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And by this, he meant spirit. So what he was doing, and this is said in Isaiah, and it's also said a couple times in the New Testament, he compares the, Holy spirit, the water to the Holy Spirit so that we can picture uh, what it would look like maybe or let your imagination go out of your innermost being will flow these rivers of living water. Now maybe you can envision a waterfall. Maybe you can envision, you know, just... This flood of water coming out of a, 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 a particular uh, a river bank or something where the, the river is just flushing out. This is what he said is going to happen to you and in you. He said the Holy Spirit was going to be flowing out of your innermost being. He didn't say it's going to come from your head. He said something inside begins to get stirred up. And again, I, I just, just think back of when I was in the process of getting saved, kind of watching and recognizing that what I was hearing up here began to sink to down here, and that's when all of a sudden it came to life. But I had to lean into that. I had to begin to think, wow, God, you really are trying to speak to me, but I'm still not quite understanding this yet. And he was taking the scriptures that had been given to me over that two-year period, and they just started getting deeper and deeper, 
and deeper. He's not trying to save your mind first. He'll renew that later. But he's trying to save your spirit and then get the spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit active in your life. And I don't think he uses these pictures and terms lightly. Out of your innermost being are gonna flow rivers of living water. And by this, he meant the spirit. Whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Because up to that time, spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The transition of Jesus from the Old Testament, okay, was huge. And this was huge. Remember, they established the tabernacle. This is how we get into God. This is how we do it. This is how you get to God. This is how you do it. That, the whole process. Now Jesus comes, and this is part of why they decided to crucify him. He says, okay, all of that was pointing to this. All of that was pointing to Jesus coming to this planet to save you. All of that was for this. They all went through that for this. That's exactly what the scripture teaches. All of this happened for you. And they had a hard time understanding that. And, and, and actually many Christians rejected that. Guess what? Jesus is saying the same thing. All of what I have just done and what I'm about to do, going to the cross, to the most brutal type of a death, I am doing for you so that now you can have the same connection with the Holy Spirit that I have. And I'm thinking, wow. But we're not receiving it like that. Part of the body of Christ is still fighting about it. And you know what trips them up? They're going to speak in a spiritual language. It's really true. It's scary, but true. Even though the scripture is filled with every time, we already read it, right? They were saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Now lean into this for a second, because I don't know where you stand today. Maybe you are struggling with maybe just your relationship with God because you gotta lean into that. Thank you. Maybe you have to lean into that to receive that because you're just not alive inside. It's not, coming to, it's not coming to life to you. You're trying, but it's not there. Well, Jesus did all that so that his spirit could come and it is actually his spirit that draws us to God. It helps us to realize who Jesus actually was. I can't do it without him. I gotta have the Holy Spirit come to me and begin to draw me in. And as I respond to him, all of a sudden, the transition takes place. And he says, well, after that, I wanna give you the gift of my spirit. And my spirit's gonna come inside of you. And he's gonna be a parakleta, is the, is the Greek word, I believe is how you pronounce it. He's gonna be right in there next to you.
and he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to free you from things. He's going to deliver you from some things. He's going to set you free, and he's going to break open this river of living water inside of you that's going to totally transform your life. You're not going to be a dead stump any longer, but you're going to become that fruitful branch. And this is offered to everyone. And so here's what I want to do, because there is one big issue. Let's take a few minutes here. There's one big issue that people get stumbled on, uh, and, and, and I want to just deal with it head on uh, with the help of the Apostle Paul. On your notes there, we have the scriptures there. In 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about this whole thing. What do you mean this prayer language, this spiritual language? And for whatever reason, they translated it tongues in the Bible. I don't know why, but the majority of translations do, and it can be translated that. But it's also, just think of it as a spiritual language. It's not, it's, 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 uh, it's not just babble. It's an actual language of the spirit and if you remember last week that's what we ended on i just said you know we're gonna uh we're gonna connect with god through setting time with him getting in his word uh, and so forth and my last one is by talking his language and i believe that would be the language that paul's talking about here the the, the prayer language the spiritual language and so let's just look at this and if you would just open up your heart and spirit right now maybe you're in a place where that is your stumbling block. And, 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 and I just want to break that down for you. Maybe you have uh, been uh, filled with the Spirit, but you just haven't found a release in a prayer language yet. I want to break that down for you today. I want you to hunger and thirst for it, because if I can get you there, you'll be filled. And maybe you've had the prayer language in the past, but yet you really don't use it because you didn't understand really how important it is to your life. I mean, anything that would be considered God's personal language with you, I think is pretty important. <laughs> I just do. And I have found it to be a life changer for me. So let me just walk through uh, some of this because I struggled with this at the beginning of my Christian walk too until somebody just started taking me through some scriptures. And, and again, we've already read out of Acts, repent, be baptized, and you'll be filled with the Spirit. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied and so forth over and over that's just the pattern that was just the pattern and so we learn by the pattern but paul comes in now because the church is struggling with it just like some people do today and they're struggling with it and and he begins to address it in verse 2 of first corinthians 14 do you believe first corinthians 14 is the bible it is right okay so i want you to read it that way i don't want you to read it from me and then you try to wrestle in your mind about it don't argue with about it. Don't argue with his word. It's much nicer to receive it and then let him interpret it for you. But how many know we get it stuck right up here and we try to argue with even God about it? Because that's who you're really arguing with. You might think you're arguing with a person, but you're not. You're arguing with God about his own words. And he's saying, no, 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 don't do that. I'll give you the understanding. But you just got to remember, you got to receive it. You got to take it in and then let it work in you. Verse 2 says this here, For he who speaks in an unknown tongue or language does not speak to men, but to who? God. What? Amen. Serious? God understands that? And I don't? That's probably a lot of our problem. I want to understand it. It keeps helping me stay in control. For he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to who? God. For no one understands him. Okay. That's true. However, in the spirit, he's speaking mysteries. 
He's doing something. He's saying something. And 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 he's uh, it, it's a it's a God language. Verse four. He who speaks in tongue in a tongue or a language edifies who? Okay. Okay. The word edify means to build up, to to to, to restore by rebuilding or to rebuild completely. So if I pray in my prayer language, my spiritual language, then I'm going to be built up with that. Now, if you don't want to be built up, I guess that's one thing. Then just admit it and tell God that. God, I don't want to be built up, so I'm not going to even go there. But I, I, I'm just thinking, man, I want to be built up. I want to be edified. I want to be, I want to be strengthened. I want to be strong. I want to be on the rock. And here's what he says. He who speaks in a... A, a, a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And just as a small side note, because maybe you've been of the theology that, uh, that, that this whole area of spiritual language has to do with the same uh, gift of tongues and interpretation in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. But it's not. It's a totally different prayer language. Totally different thing. And we have some notes for you on that. Uh, after the service. Verse 5. This is the Apostle Paul. Will you read the bold part with me? I Okay, let's all read that again. Would you just read that, please? I wish you all spoke with a spiritual language. Okay, some of you I can hear are not, not saying it. You know what I want you to do? I want you to say it. Do you want to receive faith that comes by hearing the word, right? Well, you, you might doubt others, but please don't doubt yourself. <laughs> if this is the Bible, <laughs> say it. It's going to bring something to you. Which that's why you hear me all the time encouraging you. Please read your Bible out loud. It'll do something for you that reading it in your mind won't. I wish you all spoke with a spiritual language, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. There again, he's dividing the two. He's saying, hey, your prayer language, your spiritual language is not to be out in the marketplace everywhere. That's for you and I. But there is also that other gift. Verse 6, but now, brethren... If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Again, the apostle is teaching them, okay, this is your prayer language. That's not going to do anybody else any good. That's going to build you up. The prophetic gift and ministry and tongues and interpretation is going to build other people up. And then verse 18, he really throws it at him here. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all do. And I think, well, I, I just want to beat Paul with that one. Not beat him with it. Beat him in it. I want to pray in tongues more. I want to go to heaven and tell him I outdid him. But here's the apostle saying, man, I do this more than Look who got all the revelation from God to write down for us. It was the Apostle Paul. 
Let me wrap it up with this particular verse here because some people, again, I want you to walk away today and there is uh, some uh, deeper notes about the Holy Spirit out at the uh, welcome counter. That I would just ask you if you want to learn more about it, just to take those and it'll take you uh, deeper. It'll, it'll uh, walk you through it. But here's an important verse when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit with a spiritual language. It's Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? And some translations say scorpion instead of a fish. Or if he, or excuse me, if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If then you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So my request to you today would be, you might need to grab some notes out there or just take the notes that I have given you today and just begin to read through those notes out loud and get into a conversation with God about him, them because some people are just afraid. Well, I don't understand it. I don't get it. You know, I've heard bad things about it. I, you know, I met a few weird people that have it, you know, and, and so I'm staying away from it. And, 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 and we, we, we talk ourselves out of the Bible based on somebody else and, and probably somebody wacky, <laughs> okay, instead of somebody normal. How many think Des is normal? We all think you, come on, raise your hand. We gotta make them feel good now that we've, we've dumped them. Okay, all right. Do you have a spiritual language, Des? Yes. Okay, so he's normal and he has one. Okay, how, how many think Chelsea's normal? Oh boy, Al, that hand should have been up by now. Get it up there, both hands, come on, count two. Raise your hand if you guys think Chelsea's pretty normal. Chelsea, do you have a spiritual language? Yes. Okay. Let's see. How many think that, okay, it's gonna get harder. <laughs> How many think that Bob is normal? Oh, look at that, I like the family support. Even Bob thinks he's normal. That's pretty good. Bob, do you have a spiritual language? Yes, he does. All right. You know what I'm saying? We just go down, meet all the normal people and forget the wackos that maybe step into this. And let's just look at the, there's many more normals that I've come across that have a spiritual language. So here's what you do. Here's what, you, here's what I'm asking you to do. First, I want you to ask God for the fullness of his promised power. Because that's where he starts with. I want to empower you. See, the, the prayer language will come from inside. It'll just come, it'll just come and you speak it. He'll give it, you speak it, is what he says. He doesn't say, he'll give it and he'll speak it. He'll give it and you speak it. And, and you'll know it. I, you, know, you can't really explain it. Uh, but he'll give it and you'll know it. But you just got to speak it. But, but you got to pray for the fullness of his power. Secondly, we have to acknowledge that uh, the, 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 the whole concept of a spiritual language is clear in Scripture. It's there. It's very clear. We only gave you a small portion on your notes. But if you grab those notes out there, I think you'll be... It, it, 
you're going to have to really fight with God after reading those. So you might not want to read those. <laughs> but what we have out there is two booklets that Patricia put together, and, and you need both of them. One of them is uh, for a student, so the blanks are there, but the other one has the fill in. And so what we're hoping is maybe you would use one yourself, but maybe if you know somebody else, you could take them through it, and you'd have the one with the answers in it so we would know that you would get them right. All right, thirdly, can you trust wholeheartedly that God is big enough? Remember, who, if he's a good, if you're, you know, earthly father going to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give your Holy Spirit? Can you really trust him for that? So that you can unashamedly just say, God, that's what I want. I just want it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Wow, what a promise. I'm like a child before God and I can totally <laughs> trust him. <laughs> I can totally. He wanted you to see rivers of living waters flowing. And I was resisting. But you know what I'm saying? We got to learn to just be able to trust in the Lord so we can ask him the hard questions and then be ready to receive what he gives us. And I, I tell you, God's wanting to fill you with his spirit, God's wanting you to have heavenly prayer spiritual language because it will enhance your connection with him it definitely does remember we read that you're praying in your prayer language Jude verse 20 says hey praying in the Holy Spirit will build you up it will edify you that's why I'm saying in these last days we're going to need it more than ever before how many kind of think we're already in the last enough days to need it <laughs> I think we're getting there but you know what God's going to have the victory in everything He's going to shock everybody, just like he did when he rose from the dead. And I want to be on the team that shocks everybody. So let's, let's do this. Let's just, uh, I know we're running just a little bit late, but it's too cold to go outside and do anything anyway. It'll be a little bit warmer by the time I'm done. Uh, stand up. I don't mean this summer either. Come on, stand up to your feet. We're going we're gonna to just sing a song and... What I'd like you to do is maybe just in your heart and your mind, maybe some way through the song is just to ask the Lord to reveal to you the truth about what I'm saying today. It, it comes by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And um, this has been so passionately on my heart. I've been so distraught with a couple things. Number one, the amount of believers that have been spirit-filled in the past, but they don't recognize that your spiritual language is necessary for you. I would say myself personally every day, and I think that's what Paul was saying, man, I pray in the spirit, uh, my spiritual language more than everybody else. And I think, God, I need this. And it brings understanding, it opens up your spiritual understanding, it edifies you, it builds you up, it strengthens you in amazing ways. You don't have to sit back without the knowledge of it. So as we sing, would you just ask the Holy Spirit, just 
maybe use his terms, just, Lord, fill me to overflowing. Let the rivers of living water flow out of me this Today would be a day you would ignite something in us like never before. We're facing, Lord God, a world that needs to see not just in word, but in power. And we believe that you've called your church to be that instrument that you would use, Lord, to bring light and life and power to the earth, even as Jesus did when he walked on the earth. So God, we want to be filled want to be filled. Just ask the Holy Spirit right now, would you do that? Lord, I want to be filled. I want to experience those rivers of living water. I want to overflow, Father. I don't want to just be a dry log, but I want to be a flowing river that you talked about. But I pray for blessing and favor over every person, God. And just uh, allow your spirit to make yourself completely known to us. And we thank you for that. Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, I understand that it's uh, sometimes challenging, but I encourage you, let's press in. Let's press in. Now is an amazing time with what God is working on on the earth and on the planet right now. You want to be a part of that, and and, and you have to press in for that. It can't just be a casual, I'm just going to wait for it. How many can say that? Come on, at least there's a fight of faith. Nothing wrong with that. Let's press in and do it and go for it. So God bless you. Have an awesome rest of your day. And uh, blessings on you. If you want the, those guides, just grab some of those on the way out. There's, if we run out, we'll get some more tomorrow. But there's two of them, one with the answers and one not. Take one of each. And God bless you.